you know that the, the scripture that we have been uh, uh, reading every service, every opportunity that we get uh, in this church, we've been uh, reading Second Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 9. And it says, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And I'm going I'm to park it right there for a moment. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask if there are any first-time guests or visitors uh, in the house tonight. Any, any first-timers? So you all are all home folk. All right. Okay. So all of those folks that are out there watching us on the Internet um, and on Facebook Live, uh, if this is your first time tuning in at Abundant Living Ministries, we say thank you uh, and welcome home. You need to get here in person so we can love on you and so that you can really be a part of this ministry. All right, now, I'm going to get back in the car and we're going to keep driving. So, second, uh, second Timothy, verse 9, it says that God has called us, not according to our own works or uh, by what we've done, but by, by his own purpose and by his own grace. And so I looked up that word, Called, right? And I'm certain that you all have looked it up at some point uh, throughout the year, but called, uh, some of the definitions uh, that I found for that word called, it means to be labeled or to be tagged or to be titled. And I like this one a whole lot, to be christened, right? So God has called us, he's tagged us, uh, he's titled us, right? Um, he's labeled us. Bless you. Let it out, girl. Just let it out. And so you might be thinking, well, what did, he, what did he title and call us for? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Because in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, right? So God has called each and every one of us. He has titled us. He has tagged us, right, to be a peculiar people, to be a royal priesthood, to be a winner. Amen? I know that Pastor uh, Thad, the uh, the message that he talked about last week, he talked about, the, I believe, the title of his message last week was, We're Here to Win, right? And so God has called each and every one of us to be a winner. God has destined you and I to win. He's purposed and planned for you and I to win, right? To win, not to come up short, not to come into second place, but to win, right? Because to the winners goes the spoils. To the winners goes the prize. You know, in this day and age, uh, and you all see it if you have little kids uh, and they compete in any sport or any competition, debate or whatever, it seems like everybody gets a trophy for participating. But that's not reality, right? That is not the real deal, right? Everybody does not get the trophy for participating. Only winners get the trophy. A winner gets the first place, first place prize, right? And quite honestly, nobody, went, nobody ever remembers 
who comes in second or third. Right? I'm just being real honest with you. People don't remember who comes in second place. And I know that's probably not popular to say because, you know, you, in this day and age, my Lord, if you say anything, you're going to offend somebody. Right? And so if you're out there and the little kid, little Johnny, comes in second place, oh, Johnny, you've been, you did so good, Johnny. Praise the Lord. John, Johnny, you came up short. You're in second place, brother. You ain't win nothing. Okay, you didn't win, Johnny. You need to go back and get, 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 get to it, Johnny. Right? Because winners get up front and they get the trophy. Right? And so each and every one of us, if we are born again, if we're children of the Most High God, we are winners. Amen? Amen. You know, the Word of God says that, it says in, um, in, the, in the New Testament, it says that, therefore, if any man, any person, be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature, and old things have passed away, and, and behold, all things have become new. Right? So you and I, if our lives are hid in Christ Jesus, right, then every day of our life, we should be experiencing, we should be walking in the newness of life. We should be walking as a winner, as a champion, as one that's been labeled, as one that has been tagged by Almighty God that says we're a royal priesthood. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I am somebody. Not because you think so but because God knows so. You were somebody. And it has nothing to do with the person on your left or on your right. It has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with who your heavenly father is. It has everything to do with who has paid the price for you to be a winner. Amen? And so uh, I wanted to share that with you. And I know that Pastor Thad and, you know, I'm, I know you're watching me, brother. I know you're watching me. I was listening to your message last week, and he talked about the winning formula. Formula. You all remember that? And it was found over in James, wasn't it? James chapter 4. What was it? James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I'm going to get there. This is a new Bible. Thank you, Professor. Lord, I'm going to get there. Just bear with me. You know, something about having a new Bible, it sticks, and, oh, Lord, have mercy. And then I can't find my place. I should have left my, oh, Lord. Oh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Just bear with me, folks. Bear with me. Okay, James chapter 4. What did he say? 7 and 8. It says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So Pastor Thad talked about we're here to win, and he talked about in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he talked about that being the winning formula, that formula of submitting to God, resisting the devil, drawing nigh to God, and allowing God to draw nigh to you, Right? Cleansing our hands and purifying ourselves. That's the winning formula, right? And so the question that I always ask after that message, I'm like, okay, that's the winning formula. How do we accomplish that? Right? 
How do you accomplish that? You have to stay committed. You have to be committed. There has to be some commitment. Right? Has to be. Those that win, there's an awesome price to pay for winning. Don't ever think that it's free or, or that it's cheap. If you want to play, you've got to pay. Right? If you want to win, you have got to commit yourself to winning. You have to commit yourself to winning principles. Right? Winning's just not going to happen just because we say we're winners. Right? We're going to have to put some works with our faith. Right? We're going to have to put, there's something that God is requiring out of us that we're going to have to do in order to walk in this newness of life, in order to walk as a champion, in order to walk as a winner. Now, there's three people that we're going to talk about very quickly, three people uh, who were committed, right? And we've known, you've, what I'm telling you is not going to be anything new. The first person that we're going to talk about very quickly is Job. I know Pastor Thad had made mention of uh, Brother Job uh, I believe Sunday, Job chapter 1, it said that, Job chapter 1, verse 1, it says that there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, a man that was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. The first commitment that we have to make sure that we're practicing every day of our life is that we're committed. And I looked up that word upright. Man, Job was perfect and upright and one that feared God. Upright uh, means that Job was a man of morals. He was a man of principles. He was a man that did things the right way. He was a man that stayed away from evil. He reverenced God. He had a respect for God, right? He was committed to God, right? He did what was right when it wasn't popular. And I want you to just think about that right now. In the day and age that we live in, right, this society, this world, looks at what uh, they call good evil, and they call evil good. Right? If you stand for righteousness, if you stand for holiness, if you stand for uh, uh, doing things that's right, guess what? You're frowned upon. If you ain't lying, cheating, stealing, and killing, right? You're not fitting in with this world. You're not fitting in with society. And yet Job, Job was a man, right? The Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun, right? There was unrighteousness, there was unholiness, there was wickedness going on in the days of Job. But Job committed himself to doing what was right. And folks, if you and I are going to walk in winning, right, we have to make sure that we are committed to doing what's right when it's not popular, right? And we've got to be willing to take a stand when it's not popular, right? If there is a day and age that you and I as fellow believers, as Christians, have to make sure that we are taking a stand for what is right 
The time is right now, folks. It is right now. Let me just throw something out to you just to stir up your thinking, right? Research it yourself, right? Critical race theory. Critical race theory. It's a concept that folks are trying to introduce in the school system, in the educational school system, that says that you are inferior based on your race. But don't take my word for it. Look it up for yourselves. You and I that have, you have children and grandchildren. You better know what your kids are being taught when they go to school. Amen. The time is not to just stick our heads in the sand and turn the blind, blind eye to what is going on. As our pastor has said over and over, the devil is right up in our face, right? He's right here, and he's not going anywhere, right? And if he's not going anywhere, guess what? We need to be right here in his face. And we need to be pushing back. We need to be moving forward. The kingdom of God always moves forward. God's kingdom does not ever retreat. There is no, God doesn't understand. Retreat is not in God's vocabulary. God doesn't know losing. God has never lost, ever. <laughs> He's like 150 million years in zero. He's never lost, right? And he ain't going to lose, right? And so if you and I are a part of that kingdom, we don't lose. We keep pushing forward. And Job, Job was committed. But Job and Job, I love what Job said. In Job chapter 19, verse 25, he says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job 19, 25, he says that I know that my Redeemer liveth. Job was willing to take a stand. Job was willing to stay committed to being morally pure. He was, uh, he was firm in his convictions. He was, he was firm in his and his uh, uh, fiber to his core about doing what was right, about turning away from evil and having a reverence for God. And Job says, I know who my Redeemer is. And for that, God blessed Job double. Job got double for his trouble. Job stayed committed to God. He stayed committed in his moral principles, right? And God blessed him for that. Folks, if we stay committed to God and our moral principles and in our convictions, right, regardless of what's going on, God's got double for our trouble. Amen? Second person. Sister Ruth. Since Sister Ruthie was chatting today, Sister Ruth. Ruth is a... Uh, I love the story of Ruth. How many of y'all have read the book of Ruth? I've read the book of Ruth over and over. Ruth is just, she was a bad lady. She was a bad mamma jamma. In Ruth chapter 1, Ruth chapter 1, it says, Naomi, and let me just set it up. Naomi and her family, 
because there was a famine in the land, they had to get out, right? Uh, they went into the land of, uh, 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 of Moab, uh, and there her husband passed away, and her two sons passed away, right? And so Naomi is bitter. Uh, she's got nothing to show for her life, uh, and she's having a conversation uh, in, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 12, with her two daughter-in-laws. And she says to them, she says, turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having, uh, stay from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone. So Orpah is gone. She, took, she was like, I'm out, right? She was like, I'm out of here. Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Ruth was committed to Naomi. And Naomi represented God's people. So we have to make sure that we're committed in our moral uh, fiber and our principles and our convictions, but we have to make sure that we are committed to one another, that we are committed to God's people, right? You and I, the word of God says that you and I are, suppo are supposed to provoke one another to love and to good works. The Bible also says that iron sharpeneth iron. The Bible also says that a brother is born for adversity. Folks, newsflash, we're all in this together, right? And we have got to make sure that we are doing everything that we're supposed to be doing for one another. We have got to make sure that we are committed to each other, right? Jesus said in the Gospels, he says, herein uh, will men know that you are my disciples when you have love one for another, right? If you and I can't love each other in here, we're not going to love anybody outside of here. If we can't love the, God, the people of God first, and if we can't commit to one another first, right, the likelihood is that we're not going to be committed to the lost and to the dying, right? It first must begin in the house of God, right? And Ruth understood that. She said, I'm not going to turn away from you, Naomi. I'm not going to leave you. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your God is going to be your, my God. Your people are going to be my people. I'm committed to you. We're in this thing together, and nothing is going to separate us but death, right? Folks, you and I have got to have that resolve that nothing is going to separate this body, this family, from anything. It's not going to separate us from God. It's not going to separate us 
from one another, right? We're only as strong as the, the weakest person in here. And when one of us is hurting, all of us are hurting, right? When one of us is down and out, all of us should be feeling that, right? And all of us should be there to, be, to lift up that person and to be encouraging them, uh, encouraging them and making sure that we're holding them up and we're doing what's right because we're committed to one another, right? Commitment is a very important thing. It's very important in the eyes of God. And as a result of Ruth's commitment to Naomi, it says in uh, Ruth chapter 4, verses 13, it says, so Boaz took Ruth. Now, Boaz was Naomi's kinsman, was related to, to Naomi. Naomi came back into the land of Israel with shame. She had nothing. She had nothing to carry on the family name or the legacy. But Boaz was her kinsman. He wasn't the closest one to her. She had a, 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 a closer cousin, a first cousin. Maybe, maybe Boaz was a second cousin. I don't know. Uh, but she, he wasn't the first one. But in Ruth it says that Boaz, what day thou buyest the, uh, buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. So the one closest to Naomi said, mm I ain't getting involved with this. I don't want to mess up my own stuff. Right? And I'm paraphrasing. In case you haven't noticed. Now this was the, this was the manner, uh, this was the manner uh, where am I? In former time in Israel, concerning redeeming and concerning changing, for to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Now, if we drop down to verse 13, it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and, and went in unto her. The Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, It's interesting they said it to Naomi. They didn't say it to Ruth, they said it to Naomi. They said it to God's people. Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, without a redeemer, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine own uh, old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. Naomi clave to... Uh, Ruth clave to the, uh, to the people, to the person of God. And as a result of that, right, she brought about an opportunity for Naomi to be redeemed. She brought about an opportunity for Naomi's life to be restored. Because she was willing to stay committed. She had every opportunity, like the other uh, daughter-in-law, uh, uh, to take off and, and run and get on out of there and do her own thing and start a new life. But she chose not to do that. She chose to stay committed. And as a result of, of that, God used her, right, to be a blessing to Naomi, right, and to restore Naomi's life. Folks, when we are committed to one another, when we are committed to God 
into God's people, God will use people that may be outside of the family to be a blessing to you, to be a restorer of your life, to make sure that you have everything that you need in order to win. It doesn't matter with God. God will use anybody and everybody he needs to use for his people. Amen? Amen. It don't matter. But we have to make sure that we're staying committed to one another. When we stay committed to one another, God is obligated to take care of us and to restore our lives. Amen? God's a good God. He is so, so awesome. He's amazing. And then finally, folks, the Apostle Paul, another individual that we're going to talk very briefly about. Now, Paul, was well, when he was Saul, he was a bad man. He was wreaking havoc on the church. He was doing his thing. He was a zealot. He, was, he thought that what he was doing, he was doing uh, uh, for God, for God Almighty, by the will and purpose of God. Pa Paul was absolutely convinced that he was doing God's will. But if we pick up in Acts, I want you to turn very quickly to Acts chapter, chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, Acts chapter 9. And it says, um, uh, verse, uh, where do I want to start? Verse 13. So Paul's wreaking havoc, and Paul's been knocked off of his high horse, and he's blinded, right? God speaks to Ananias. God says, uh, I, I'm sending somebody to you, right? And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Lord, are you sure you know what you're doing? You know, sometimes I'm going to park right there. Sometimes when God tells us to do stuff, when God tells us to uh, go out and witness and, 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 and talk to somebody, Lord, we, we say to God, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? Lord, do you know about this person that you're asking me to go and talk to? They are not, they're not who I, should, I think I should be talking to, right? I know I'm looking at the expressions, and some of y'all know what I'm talking about because I believe that some of y'all have been right there, right? I know I have, right? And so Ananias, God, I have heard this brother, this dude named Saul, He's not a good God, Lord. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. God, he has the authority to put, put your people in jail. But what does the Lord say? The Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. 
the Apostle Paul was committed to suffering for Jesus' name. He was committed to that. God said it right there. God said, I'm going to show him how, thing, how he's going to suffer for my namesake. And when Paul received the Lord Jesus Christ and was filled with the Holy Ghost, Paul was committed to that. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says it. He talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Paul said, all of these things are happening. We're persecuted. We're stressed, uh, distressed. We are, we're beaten. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was stoned. He was put in prison. He was bitten by a snake. He suffered for Jesus, right? He committed himself to that. He was resolved in that commitment to Jesus, right? You and I, we have got to make sure that we are committed to Jesus. Our commitment to Jesus has got to be first and foremost, right? In the book of James, James says, count it all joy when you and I are tempted or come into many temptations, right? Because when that happens, God's doing a work in us. But you got to stay committed. You have to stay focused. You have to stay with Jesus, right? People, you bless you, Joseph. Good Lord, man. Get it all out. Get it all out, Joe. Get it all out. We have to make sure that we stay committed to Jesus. You know, in the Word of God in the New Testament, it says that because iniquity shall abound in the last days, it says that because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And many are going to walk away from Jesus because they're not committed, right? Because they're going to see, they're going to look at everything going on. The lawlessness, the, the, the sin, the unrighteousness, the unholiness. And it says that their love is going to wax cold. They're not going to be committed to Jesus. They're not going to be as committed to Jesus as when they were when they first got born again. Folks, you and I don't have the luxury or the, uh, of allowing ourselves to not stay committed. Now is not the time to not commit to Jesus. You have got to commit to Jesus because this thing is winding up. It is winding up. And we have got to make sure that our love for Jesus is first and foremost. That our love for Jesus, that we are, that we're, that we are in love with him, that we are in love with him, that we are in love with him, that we are committed to him, 
regardless of what's going on, we are committed to Jesus. Regardless of what people say about us, we're committed to Jesus. Regardless if our family or our friends leave us, we're committed to Jesus. Regardless if we lose everything, we're committed to Jesus. Regardless if we have nothing, we are committed to Jesus. We have got to make sure that we are committed to Jesus. Because when we're committed to Jesus, the Apostle Paul again says, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, For I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And so when we are committed to Jesus, Jesus says that in the end, he has a crown of righteousness for each and every one of us. Folks, that sounds to me that we win. When we stay committed, we win. When we do what we're supposed to do, we win. This is the formula. This is what we do. We win, right? And all we have to do is to make sure that we stay committed. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, O oh Lord God, for this, for this night. We thank you, O oh Lord God, that you, you've been so good to us, O oh Lord God. Lord, your word says that even when, we are, when we're not faithful, Lord God, when we're not committed to you, Lord, it says that you're committed and you're faithful to us. And we thank you for that, O oh Lord God. But Lord, we... Our desire, Lord, is that we are committed to you. Father, I pray, O oh Lord God, that the Holy Spirit will impart upon each of us, will just store each, of, each one of us up to make sure that we are committed to you in all areas of our lives, that we are all in, that we are all in, Lord. The Lord, we know that when we're all in with you, you're already, you've been all in with us. But Lord, as we're all in with you, Lord God, you said that you protect us. Lord God, you said that you'll restore our lives. Lord, you said that we have a crown of righteousness. Father, we just thank you for that, oh Lord God. We thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for that. I'm going to, if there is anybody here, you might say to me, Brother Jeff, you know, you know you have me to think about some things that I haven't thought about and I want to make sure that I'm committed uh, that I am committed my entire life is committed to God and if that's you I want you to raise your hand and brother Jeff I, I've had some difficulties with this word commitment um, but I want to make sure that I stay committed to God that's you. Amen. I'm glad nobody raised their hand. Thank you for everybody that's committed. That's committed. Father, I thank you for them. Lord, you have a blessing for all of your people, Lord God. Bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. As they stay committed to you, Lord, we're going to commit to them. We thank you for it. We give you honor. Glory.